This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm recently retired, and I was looking for something to do with my time that I thought would be productive and meaningful. A God moment occurred. I received Bob's weekly letter, and it was looking for volunteers at the pantry. And I came in, and I worked one time, and I was so um, so impressed by it that I sent an email saying, oh, I want to do, I would like to do this more. I'd like to fill in if I need to. I think it's important to be involved in the food pantry because Jesus said it. He questioned Peter and John three times about, do you love me? And when Peter said yes, he said, then feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed them. And that's what we're doing with the food pantry every day. When you get involved, you can see what a difference we make to people. It only takes two and a half hours a week, and it's very flexible. It's a great way to spend your time. I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to use the time that I had during the day to make a difference. Well, I was on the original uh, Skunk Works team that looked at the question how you could uh, change our food pantry into a transformation hub. And uh, as, as part of that program, we came across Jobs for Life, and we looked at it, studied it, uh, and decided we'd try that here at Schweitzer. I think Jobs for Life is an excellent opportunity for people to give back, and I think all of us have that yearning or that desire to give back. I think God puts that in us. Um, I think that if you really want to do something about poverty, help somebody get a job. Help somebody feel better about themselves. I serve because I truly believe God granted us gifts and abilities so that we could live out the charge that Jesus gives us in Matthew 25 and to keep the kingdom of God alive here on earth. You are going to experience laughter, you're going to experience tears of joy and sadness, frustration and excitement as you participate in this program. Their dignity is restored and they start, that spark of hope is ignited in their lives again. And you realize that you've been a part of making that happen. We have put in a community garden to try to bring together the neighborhood and our, our church and to make it a, a neighborhood building idea that we could bring the neighbors in and have a common area that we could get together and get to know each other a little bit. Having the opportunity to weed a garden and see what's growing and see where your vegetables come from and, and then getting involved with the people who are in the garden. It just creates space for people to have um, a communion with each other and with nature, and it creates another dimension within you that is um, larger than just asphalt can, can cultivate. If you would like to serve in any of these ministries, here is who you can contact. Christmas, so it would have been December of 2014, I guess we're in year 2015, right? Christmas of 2014, I was getting excited about gardening. Over in the neighborhood garden that we just heard a little bit about on the video, we had trees that had been cut down and there were logs all over the ground and there were piles of wood chips. 
in anticipation of a neighborhood garden going into place. At our house, where, where Anna and I live and our kids, we have 10 acres, so we have lots of lawn, and I took my tractor and my plow, and I plowed up three different plots of ground. And I said, we are going to have some gardens, not just a garden, not just one garden, but we're going to garden big. And so I was, my, my mind was thinking big, I was dreaming big, I was planning big. I went online and I found a seed catalog. And in January, the seed catalog came. And so then I placed an order for seed and this box of seed came in March. And then I started to put all the tools together um, to, to make this garden grow. And then April started to rain, and April never got really warm. Do you remember that about April of this year? It never got really warm, and it rained a lot. And so early May, I started to plant some, some things. I planted some sweet corn. I planted some green beans, and nothing came up. And it's like, this is not supposed to happen. And so I had to replant, and I replanted stuff. Replanted the sweet corn, replanted the green beans. The green beans came up, and they looked beautiful and marvelous. And then one day, we were driving out of the driveway, and I look over at the green beans, and the deer have eaten them to the ground. Everything is gone. And it was just like that. Plant and replant and deer and dealing with all of those things. And so in June, we had this great, it was the first part of June, it was beautiful weather again, and so we planted a bunch of the garden. And then it rained and rained and rained. And then we went away on two weeks of vacation. And we came back in the first of July. And we saw that our plants were growing, but they were being outstripped in growth by the grass that was growing up all around them. One day, Anna said to me, she said, what are we going to do about this garden that's growing like this and growing out of control? And for the most part, we did get a few tomatoes and we got a few other things, but for the most part, it was like grass everywhere. And I told her, I said, well, I said, I'm going to look at the garden like Jesus looked at a fig tree. I don't know if you know the story, but Jesus in the in what we call Holy Week was in Jerusalem and he was looking for something to eat for breakfast there were no McDonald's around, but there were fig trees. And he went up to the fig tree, and it was full of leaves, and it looked beautiful and marvelous. And he went up to the fig tree to try and get a fig for breakfast. And there was nothing there. So Jesus said, if you're not going to grow any figs, you might as well die. And so I said to Anna, I said, when I look at that garden, if it's just going to grow grass, it might as well die. I'll deal with it when it's time to plow the whole thing up in the fall. Uh, I'll just, it might as well die. You know, uh, when you get around people who garden, they'll talk about all of the marvelous aspects of gardening, right? Like, and, and, and even myself, I've experienced this kind of stuff. It's a great place to work out things in your mind or in your head or in your soul. Just going out there and being in it, as Colette said, you know, it, it puts you in connection to different things and, and different people. But, you know, if you don't get any fruit out of the garden, if you don't have that moment of picking the sweet corn and taking it back and and drawing it out of, of the hot water and putting the butter and salt and pepper and everything marvelous on it, if you don't have those juices flowing down around your cheeks, you're like, I failed. I mean, there may be all this other really good attributes about gardening, but you want to see the fruit, right? And Jesus, when he went to the fig tree, wanted to see the fruit. There had to be more to it than just leaves on a tree. There had to be more to that essence of leaves on a tree. A fig tree was meant to produce figs. When you give your, your energy, your heart, your, your soul to any kind of endeavor, whether it's gardening or, or your business or, or where, whatever you're in, 
You do it because you want to see fruit at the end of the day. You want to see something improved. You want to see something better. Well, as we've been talking about serving here at Schweitzer the past three weeks, what is the fruit of serving? What is the fruit of giving your time and your energy, your, your gifts and abilities to an organization, to a church, to a community? What is the fruit that comes out of those, those elements? Today we're going to be talking about the fruits of serving. And to do that, I'd like to, for us to uh, turn our attention to a story that comes out of the Gospel of Luke. It's at Luke chapter 2. It's the story of when Mary and Joseph and Jesus enter the temple for the presentation of Jesus at the temple. And something, something transpires where we get to see some of the big fruits of serving in the lives of two different characters. One is Simeon and the other is Anna. We start Luke 2, verse 25. At this time, a man named Simeon was living in Jerusalem. Simeon was a good man. He loved God and was waiting for God to save the people of Israel. God's spirit came to him and he told him that he would not die until he had seen Christ the Lord. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to do what the law of Moses says should be done for new baby, the spirit told Simeon, go into the temple. Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms and he praised God. Lord, he said, I am your servant and now I can die in peace because you have kept your promise to me. With my own eyes I have seen what you have done to save your people. And four nations will also see this. Your mighty power is a light for all nations, and it will bring honor to your people Israel. Jesus' parents were surprised at what Simeon had said. When he blessed them and told Mary, the child of your, This child of yours will cause many people in Israel to fall and others to stand. The child will be like a warning sign. Many people will reject him, and you, Mary will suffer as though you have been stabbed by a dagger. But all this will show what people are really thinking. This, uh, this guy by the name of Simeon, Luke tells us, is a guy who loves God, who often comes to the temple, who finds that there's this promise that has come into his life through the Holy Spirit. And there is this, this ask that the Lord has made of Simeon, a way in which Simeon could be of service to the world and that way of service is to be the way of waiting. Now, how many of you have ever thought that waiting could be a way of service, like to anyone or, or to the world? Um, most of the time, when I show up, when somebody asks for help and I show up at their, their place or wherever it is that they ask for help at, I usually show up and I'm like, okay, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Because we equate serving with doing. But what the Lord has asked Simeon to do, and it could be because of Simeon's age, it could be, we don't really know why, but we do know that Simeon's an, an older guy and he's in retirement. Maybe that's it, but maybe it's something totally different. Maybe God just wants somebody to wait and look and see. Be on the lookout. Be willing to wait. There, are, there were a lot of other people who were willing to do stuff and trying to, to get you know, what they thought was God's way implemented. Maybe God was simply saying, Simeon, I want you to wait. Whatever reason, that was the way that Simeon had been asked by God to serve. And so he did. He waited. He showed up and he was present, but he waited. He looked, but he waited. And then one day, when Mary and Joseph and Jesus are entering the temple, 
The Spirit comes to Simeon. And the Spirit says, now, Simeon, is the time to act. Now's the time to go and see. And so Simeon does. Simeon goes into the temple and he sees this young family. We would call them the Holy Family. Nobody then would even know that they were the Holy Family, right? They were just a young family carrying out what the law had said, walking through this young mother with a baby in her arms, and here comes old Simeon. He's beaming from ear to ear, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Can you just imagine, almost like, almost like a, a, a defender in a football game coming up and taking the football out of the receiver's hands, Simeon just moves up and he takes this child in his arms. And he begins to sing. Because in this moment, in this place, this act of service, this act of, of waiting upon God and waiting to see what God would do, this act of service has, has brought him into the very presence of God himself. Um, Simeon's, Simeon's life was just finding all of its purpose and, and everything that he was made for coming to fruition in that moment. And so Simeon sang... He sang about God's goodness to the world. He sang about how God was was sending His salvation, but He also sang about the peace that was filling His heart and His life. He sang about how everything that He had given Himself to was was bearing fruit in that moment. Simeon was sure that God was going to do something marvelous in in the life of Israel, in the life of the world, in the life of all the nations. But he was getting to experience the very presence of God in that moment. The great joy for Simeon, the fruit for Simeon, was this, this reality that God loves to transform lives. One of the things that we love to do here at Schweitzer is we love to listen to stories of, of God working in you and coming back with stories of transformed lives. Because we see when you tell those stories, when you tell those stories to us, we see the joy almost similar to that kind of joy that Simeon has. We see the joy that's present within you. We hear the joy and, and it makes our hearts glad. A couple of weeks ago, Diane Joy sent an email. Diane Joy is somebody who works in the food pantry at Schweitzer. And she sent an email to a number of other people who are, who are involved in the, in the food pantry process. And she said, I just want to tell you about somebody who came and visited the food pantry. They, they had visited us in April, and then they had visited again, uh, us again in May. And they visited us because at those moments in their life, they were in crisis. But as this lady came to us, she wanted to say thank you. She said, their family has moved to a different place, a different spot in life. They're, they've got jobs. They've, they've got some things that are around them. They've got some support. And they wanted to come in and simply say thank you. And Diane typed that up and she sent it out to a number of people. And even as you, as you read it, you could see that there was joy there because Diane was finding that God's transforming work was, was at play and it was meeting the lives of somebody else, somebody in our community. This last week I was up in the hallway, uh, the upper hallway around some of the classrooms that we have here at Schweitzer. And as I came out of a out of a classroom, I in, in, encountered a number of people who were up there for Jobs for Life. They were, they were doing their interviews, their mock interviews, and I encountered a number of the students, and they were dressed up. They weren't fully dressed to the nines, but they were dressed up. And I encountered this young guy who had a shirt and tie on, and he was walking from room to room with a great seriousness. 
Like, I'm taking this whole endeavor seriously. And I had a moment to, to listen to his champion, and his champion said, he's doing great. You know, this whole Jobs for Life thing is just being, it's just a great blessing in his life. And as I listen to that and as I hear that, I hear the undergirding story of lives being transformed. Um, you saw a, a note about our neighborhood garden, and there's a guy who's been working in the garden. This guy's name is Ram. Have any of you seen the, the video about the neighborhood garden that we have on, on YouTube and online? I hope, you, I hope you've seen it. hope you voted for it in a competition it was in. It was a great video. But Ram is a, is a guy in our community uh, who's originally from Burma or, or Myanmar, and Ram doesn't speak a lot of English, but Ram has spent tons of time in the neighborhood garden growing things and, and giving things and produce away to other people. And so we interviewed Ram for that video that was made, and Ken uh, was, was, came back and he was telling me about the interview. He said, Ram doesn't have very good English. But the one thing that Ram could say, and he could say over and over and over again, was that garden good. It's really good to grow in the garden. And he had this beaming smile. And Ken was beaming as he was telling the story. Because what Ken is seeing and what, what other people are seeing is that lives are being transformed. But it's just not about seeing lives transformed. See, when you enter into the way of service, when you put yourself into what God is doing in the world, you find that, like Simeon, not only is God doing something great for the rest of the world, but God is giving you peace. God is meeting you. God finds a way to transform your own life. This summer, Tim Smith, our youth director here at Switzer, took a number of teens up to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and they, they had a, a week where they... They called it their missions week. But they encountered a number of kids. Tim said they did something with this missions trip this year that was unusual, that was out of the ordinary for them. Instead of going to a place where they had to paint or they had to, to tear down buildings or rebuild buildings or put roofs on or something like that, they went to a place where they had to interact with people in the community. Their work was really relational-oriented. And as I saw those pictures and saw those interactions, it took me back to a place. Because we really, we haven't heard a ton of stories about what's going to come out of that interaction. But I know that God does something unique there. I know it because I reflected about a time when I was in Chicago. I'd gone to Chicago as a 16-year-old on a missions trip and we did the building stuff. But then as a 17-year-old, we went back and we went to this community of moms and their kids who were living in a high-rise building. And we were there to interact with the kids and interact with the parents and do a little building, but really have a relational interaction. At the time, I had a six-month-old brother at home. I loved with what I thought was all my heart. I loved to play with him and there were kids his age in this place where we were staying and working. And so I would encounter them and I'd play with them. And one day at lunch, this mom came up to me carrying her six-month-old baby and she said, do you want to take my baby home? Do you want to take my baby home with you? I thought about that. I, I mean, my breath was taken away. 
Like, how could a mother ask that question? But as I reflected, you know, this mother was asking a question out of the, the place where she lived, out of the circumstances, out of what she, out of the lack of hope that she had in her own life. But as I looked at that encounter and listened in that encounter, there were like several layers. Because in the midst of it, it seemed like God was, was meeting me in that moment. To say, these are the prayers that I hear. Look at what my heart hears and look at what my heart sees. And I want you to see it, Jason. I want you to see what breaks my heart. I want you to hear what breaks my heart. I want you to do something. I want you to enter into my way. Because this is a way that it shouldn't be. See, when we enter into the way of service, God finds a way of interacting with us, of showing up, not just changing the world, but of changing us. And when he changes us and when he does his work in us, he begins to do things that overflow into the lives of other people. Simeon's song that he sang in that moment, that song has become a song that has been sung for the last 2,000 years. I don't think it ever won a Grammy Award or whatever awards they give for songs that are sung much. I don't think it ever won one of those awards, but it's been sung by people at the end of the day as they lay down at night to say, God, I know I've been journeying with you and I know you've been present. And I lay my head down at peace because I know I've seen you today. I've been in your presence. So Simeon sings. Because he gets to encounter the fruit of serving, he gets to encounter God. And then Luke tells us, at the end of Simeon's serving and at the end of this moment when he gives baby Jesus back to Mary, another prophet comes through. And Luke says that this prophet, her name is Anna, she was in the temple also. And she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. And in her youth, she had been married seven years, but her husband had died. And now she was 84 years old. Night and day, Luke says, she served God in the temple by praying and often going without eating. And at that moment, Anna came in and she praised God. She spoke about the child, Jesus, to everyone who hoped for Jerusalem to be set free. If Simeon's act of service is waiting, Anna's act of service for years, years, from the time she was young until now, for years, has been to fast and to pray. To fast and to pray. Wondering when God might answer those prayers. Wondering when God might renew her hope. Wondering when God would show God's self. She fasted and she prayed. That was her act of service. She never gave up. Luke tells us that there were lots of reasons early in her life where she could have given up. Places she could have said, God, I fasted and prayed for five years. Are you going to come? I fasted and prayed for more. Are you going to come? Are you going to show me what you want me to see? I fasted and prayed for 50 years. What are you going to do? She fasted. She prayed. 
She endured in prayer. She waited for a breakthrough. One of the ministries that we have here at Schweitzer is the ministry of breakthrough prayer. We want to show you a video about that. I discovered a, a book in the library, a set of cassettes actually, by James Finley on Christian meditation and I began to read that book and to actually practice that. I'd never heard of it, so I did it with lots of fear. I wasn't sure where this was going to take me and it just got me into a whole world of prayer and from there I uh, began to pray with Susan Cassidy and Listen, Love, Pray. I asked for a prayer appointment myself and uh, from there I've just it's just become my passion. That's what I do. That's what I spend my time focused on. There's a lady in church who came to, started coming for prayer about a year ago. She had some medical issues that lasted for over a year, and she told me to tell everyone that you can feel the prayer um, and that, that it really helps. I would say that when, when we pray, we pray with faith, we pray with believing, we pray with hope. We leave it to God to give the answer because we can't. We, we can't make everything happen good for people, but God can. There's times when little kids come up and ask for prayers for their papa. Uh, there are times when young men come up carrying their children, um, asking for prayers for their family. And when, when I pray with those people and then I look up after the prayer is over and I see their faces, it's, it's almost like I'm standing on holy ground. It's about being available to offer the prayer and, and doing it because Jesus said, you know, He loved us, so we want to let people know that we love them. You may not notice it immediately, but as you look back, you will see that God has really changed your heart. So if you've been listening today and you've been thinking, I might like to do that, but I'm not sure I'm qualified, then you need to check out the prayer training. Schweitzer offers a joint prayer training where all the people from each prayer ministry come together, they train together, and they're taught how to go about prayer ministry. The next step would be talking to the leader of the ministry that you feel called to serve in. They will match you up with someone that you can shadow that will walk alongside of you until you feel confident. Schweitzer is a place where people receive prayer on Sunday mornings, in the food pantry, during spontaneous moments, or during appointments. If you would like to be involved in the ministry of prayer and would like to learn more information about how you could become a prayer minister, please contact me or one of our leaders in the prayer ministry. Dana Price, in one of the spots there, said something profoundly, uh, profoundly true. She said, oftentimes when I pray with somebody, I find myself on holy ground. See, that's the ground that Simeon and Anna found themselves when they encountered Jesus in the temple. They found themselves in all of those places of service. They found themselves face to face with God on holy ground finding God at work in the world and in themselves. They found themselves face to face with God himself.
How do you have those moments? How do you come to that place where you find yourself face to face? You've got to get in the game. You've got to get in the game of, of service and the way of service. This past weekend, college football started in earnest. And I have renewed hope for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Sorry to all those of you who have allegiances elsewhere. But um, renewed hope. You know, and college football is great. And it, it's just a, all kinds of fun. It's fun to be at a game. But there's more fun than just being at a game. And that's the fun that you have when you play the game. When you're on the field. If you want to encounter God, if you want to have those places that are holy moments, you've got to get in the game. And it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but you just say, I'm willing to serve. Where can I serve? We've got the serve card. That's just one way in which you can serve here at Schweitzer or in the community through Schweitzer. But if you really want to see what God wants to do, get in the game. Find a way to serve. And the Lord will show up in his time. Amen.